No, there's just a lot of stuff to do. And when I go home, I go really like, I go very off grid. I guess that's kind of a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in Austin, you know, I'm just being kind of dramatic about it. How long have you had a studio for? God, maybe a couple of years, a year. I don't know. I, I, it's kind of a weird spot. It's not very convenient. Um, cause I've always had like a home studio, so it's been, uh, maybe too convenient, you know, where anything that, um, could keep me away from being productive usually would. Um, and so I ended up, there's a, a buddy of mine that was actually like one of the first people I met in first grade who hmm. hit me up kind of out of nowhere. And he had just bought, um, do you know who Dale Watson is? He's a, um, he's like a Austin, um, Western, uh, guitar guy. He's, he's really, really funny and like a great songwriter, but he's got, he he like has this beautiful white pompadour and, uh, he does like ads about Lone Star beer in the middle of his set which is really crazy. He does like live commercials and he also hosts like chicken shit bingo. I don't know if you know what that is. I want to back up to the live commercial. Is he sponsored by the beer? He's sponsored by the beer. So he has, he has a bus that is like paid for by Lone Star, but I can't tell how much of it is either like a gimmick that he sets up. Cause it's really funny too. But like in the, in between songs, he'll, he'll be like, well, it sure is hot out there today. And, you know, and he's like, and you know what really helps it? And like holds up a beer and his whole band will be like Lone Star. And then they play like a little ditty. He's like Lone Star made from the cheapest water available and you know, all this stuff. And it's like part of a joke, but he says Lone Star like 50 times while he plays. It's pretty genius. My first thought was, oh, that's weird and gross. My second thought is, oh, he just broke the music industry wide open. He, he's definitely sort of a marketing genius and he, you know, like he's got this kind of beautiful, beautiful, mysterious, like he's a handsome, uh, kind of rockabilly angle dude, but he really like lives it up. You know, he like works on motorcycles and always drives a cool car and, uh, his shows are really, really fun. He's kind of a mainstay in Austin. But anyway, I, his, my buddy bought his old house. Wait, 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 wait. You're not getting away from chicken shit bingo. Oh, chicken shit bingo. Come on, you don't know what chicken shit bingo is? I feel very ignorant going into this conversation, but no, this is all new to me. Ch- chicken shit bingo is a another genius marketing scam that uh, I don't know where it was. It's definitely from the South somewhere, but it's basically they set up a chicken coop over a big grid of numbers and people get drunk and listen to music. Um, and you basically let a chicken go in and it they shit, they shit so often that uh, eventually the bingo board fills up and whoever has that on their card, they win. And so I see, I like that because it's like, and I'm only saying this cause I, and you had a, 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 a Werner Herzog uh, <laughs> masterclass, but it's like the Strozek chicken. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it's less cruel, right? Cause you're just letting the chicken yeah. live its life. Yeah. You just, way. you're just feeding it a lot and letting it do its thing. He runs a chicken shit bingo. He, he will like, he, he's had a mainstay where he, he played chicken shit bingo. Like he would play while people play like his show would be happening while chicken shit bingo is going on. And then he'd be like, Oh, here we go. We got a number. And he would call it out. It's kind of a, it's a very, it's a fun event. Yeah. Again, it's like a, it's much less cruel than cockfighting. Like a thousand percent. I'd say less. cruel. (laughs) (laughs) I say that because it's, you know, it's still a spectator sport. You're getting the birds involved. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's great for everybody. There's not a lot of spectator sports involving birds. You're right. That isn't like a violence based thing. So that's, that's on the plus. Yeah. It's way up there. Now I will let you continue the, the story that you embarked upon. Anyway, his studio is now my, my friend bought his old house. Um, and so it came with the studio that he recorded in for a while, which is, it's not a very big spot, but, um, I ended up taking it over. So now it's mine. So now I, now I hang out in my friend's backyard and he has a, he has like a kid and a family and stuff. And he's very sweet, fun landlord, but I have to drive like 30 minutes out to this strange house to, to hang out in my office. So you're the, you're the, the weird guy just <laughs> loitering in the back of the house. I, I was thinking about this too with his, his kid is like, I think not even one, but I was like, man, it's not going to take mm. very long for them to track that there's like a 
strange man who appears seasonally mm-hmm. in the backyard. And then <laughs> eventually, like, you know, if I was that kid, it wouldn't take me, it'd take me somewhere within six years to start kind of like probably breaking in here. So I have to consider that at some point. If I have this like for a long period of time, I wouldn't want to make yeah. sure that the kid doesn't try and like sneak in here in some way. Cause that's kind of a rite of passage. Like, you know, yeah. You don't want to put like uh booby traps. You don't want to home. <laughs> the studio. Yeah. Or there's that route, you know, you really train, you train this kid in the, in the ways of the world. That's like, don't come in yeah. here or a bucket will fall on your head. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah. That's how it goes. That's, go- that's how it goes. Yeah. Life. You never know. Yeah. I mean, you learn new things. There's like, chicken shit bingo booby traps mm-hmm. it's a weird it's a weird world yeah yeah sometimes you get chicken shit bingo and sometimes you get a bucket on the head it's true sometimes a, yeah. the same day i guess it's plausible that's right is uh so why is it seasonal um well because like i said i'm on the road all the time so and and then sometimes i you know i i don't need to go to a studio to do menial tasks like i, I you know i have a setup at my house that i can do chill stuff that doesn't need, um, you know, aggressive attention. But right now I'm kind of in the, in the very, very last stretch of putting this album out that comes out on what in eight days, something like that. Yeah. Wait, you're still, you're still tinkering with the album. Yeah, I am. Wow. It's right there. Is that, is that normal for you? Uh, down to the wire like that? (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. No, I'm doing this, I'm doing this weird, so like all the time that I put out music, I've always had a lot of different um, versions of stuff. You know, I started like making stuff uh, on task cams and shit when I was younger. And then when I would play live, I would do my like one man band thing sometimes. And then, you know, eventually there's like all these different versions of songs that I make. And then when I record, I usually do that kind of on purpose too. you know, I have a lot of different. Yeah variety and then um at the end of the day sometimes i end up liking certain things more but maybe not being brave enough to like put it out and then later people are like oh i really like this or i find out i like it more well there's a there's a very real cutoff when you're talking about physical media sure well so so of course i'm like (laughs) i'm like how can i get around (laughs) <laughs> how can yeah. I fucking get around this thing? Cause has I, the album been pressed yet? Yeah, it has. It has. Okay. It has. Um, but I, I'm constantly also coming up with the, or, or addressing the concept of in like the music industry, how do you get people to pay for anything? Because I myself also grew up at a time that like piracy was king. You know, I think that to a certain degree, it's like with stuff like Spotify and things like that, it's like buying, buying physical tactile stuff is kind of the way that I buy music as opposed to just like subscribing to stuff or finding it on the internet or anything like that. So my, my work around this time is that I, I, um, I'm, I'm going full crazy man where for each one of the songs that's on the album that we're putting out, there's probably like 10 plus other versions that I like just as much from this massive session we did. So I I'm working with this web team called house of giants and I brought them this concept where they wrote me a code that, um, basically when my album comes out, you'll be able to go to my website and the, the album's called movie of the week. So I had this whole premise about, building your own fake movie soundtrack out of this big collection of other songs. So right now I'm, I'm at like, I think I'm at 89 songs. So I'm trying to get to a hundred. I have like 12 more that I'm trying to slide under the gate. You buy the album and then you get the access to everything. No, (laughs) no, no, you don't. No, (laughs) no, it's, it's more like, you buy the album and then on the actual album sleeve, there's a little QR code that's hidden in one of the TVs. And if you go to it, you can, it'll take you to a web page and it'll ask you what genre of movie you want to watch. And you can type in, you know, nineties action sci-fi, or you could say like carrot or anything like that. And then I built this massive library of fake album titles, which here I'll just give you or not. There's like, Notes on Dental Favorites, 
Gentleman's Brawl, Have You Taken Notice, uh, Fart Man Farts the Blues, Echoes in the Wind, A Glimpse of Yesterday, so on and so forth. There's like a thousand of them. So it scrambles all these up. It mixes you. It takes you one of, uh, gets you a version of each one of these songs. And then also I have this massive pit of album titles that I've like made and, or album covers that I've made and generated. And it's going to basically scramble this whole thing together and then use AI to build you a little like fake synopsis of a fake movie. So it'll combine a title, an image, and then it'll uh, make you a movie and then build you a little soundtrack for it that you can either listen to on the website or you can download. And so it just generates albums. Is there something inherent in this group of songs that makes them suitable for that kind of fuckery? Well, yeah, because it was just the way that we approached this thing. So the, we did three sessions where every session we would play for like 10 hours and we just recorded the whole thing as opposed to going in and just making songs. So there ended up being just like when I was trying to figure out even what the album was, I had to go through all of this. So there were so many like viable options and alternate lyrics and different moods and stuff like that. So I ended up having to kind of like choose my favorite kid that went on the album. And then I left all this other stuff behind and it's kind of an idea I've wanted to do for a long time, but haven't had a body of music to do it with. You know, I would basically have to take my entire catalog and run it through this process to do, um, which I might still do at some point. But it's like my 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 believing in the kind of randomness of the world to where if you went in there, however you would fuck around with my website, I feel like it would, out of this whole thing, it would maybe build a better album for you than I would build for everybody. And then maybe the the title would be coincidental or something like that. You never know. It it might have a much bigger effect than you just buying what I think is the right album for you. So if I'm understanding correctly, the recording sessions were playing the album in full every time. No, well, we didn't have, you know, an album we went in because the, the recordings, like I didn't have demos. I, I started this whole thing by working on a friend's um, movie soundtrack and then building a bunch of scores for other stuff and kind of getting really into the concept of, of like not writing music from some emotion that I had where I'm like, I feel bad or, or, you know, I'm processing some sort of like feeling. So I'll write a song about it. Instead it was like, Oh, characters on a screen are going through this or action. And then um, when I would write music to that and then apply it to something else, you know, it's like your brain really just takes these two unrelated things and builds narrative out of them. So I'm trying to find sort of a way to allow a listener or someone who would buy an album a way to have a little bit of agency in what the songs mean. You know, like if I framed, if I told every single person who listened to the album, it was about a different thing would it have a different effect? I ask partially because it, it, that seems like a very inefficient way to record a record. No, no. Yeah, no, it was an, ineff- <laughs> it was an inefficient way to record a record anyway, but no, we didn't go in. This wasn't the plan. This was, uh, this, this was a byproduct of the plan. This just slowly over time, this group of songs developed into some semblance of a record. Yeah. I mean, the goal was always to mine a record out of all this music but some of the early drafts of the album were, were like 25 songs long or some of the songs were like 10 minutes long. And I basically parsed it all down to something that I thought was both indicative of what I think the best songs that we did were. And then also what I thought was uh, people would actually enjoy listening to at the bass level. So then all the other kind of trying or more bizarre stuff, that I also really like it also has a home somewhere, but that's up for people to, yeah, they got to figure that out <laughs> if they want to. This different approach that you're describing, you know, treating it, treating it like it is a movie, as you said, writing about characters on a screen, does, does, does entering a song that way have a sort of profound impact on the final product? Is, are, 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 is this group of songs different than I I guess other groups of songs. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, 
I guess I, I talked to someone who had listened to the album. I was doing an interview with this this woman, and she was she was like, "Can I try and guess what the plot of the movie was that you guys were trying to do the soundtrack to?" And I was like, "Sure." And her her read on what she thought that the album was about was kind of close to, I guess, what something that I'd thought of before, but it was like a totally different approach to it. So she saw it as some sort of like Western about someone traveling to a futuristic city. And I was like, I guess that makes sense, you know? But in general, it's like, you know, there's 13 songs on the record and we picked them from a pit of 40 songs, something like that. So it, it didn't have a distinct narrative when assembling it. You know, I, I rearranged all this stuff a ton of times before, finally deciding on a track listing. So yeah, what, what came out at the end was not what I guess I thought it was even going to be. So the narrative of the movie also shifted over time. I guess so. Yeah. We, we just more like, we basically tried to make movements for, for different theoretical moments. Like, okay, this would be when a character in a movie is like, uh, you know, just totally being like a scumbag and, you know, it would be like a montage of them like driving drunk around a city or something like that. We would think of situations and then try and take a song we were working on and make it sound like that. Or like, this is the sad, like love version of that same song. You know, you're setting up for every single interview that you do around this record is going to be people (laughs) asking you what the plot of the movie is, right? I mean, you've already experienced that, I'm sure at this point. I, yeah, I mean, I, I know deep down, but I can't, I can't tell you guys that that's kind of like, I, I should just start asking anyone who interviews me what they think the plot of the movie is. Do you feel like there's a way in which that kind of like spoils the group of songs to talk about the meaning behind it in a sense? No, I don't think so. I mean, isn't that what like a lot of albums do anyway? Isn't that kind of the thing? Well, that's what interviews are for. And that's what liner <laughs> notes are for. And <laughs> a lot of people hate doing interviews and that's, that's a big part of why is, you know, they're like, there's this whole thing about, which I, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, let, let the, let the art speak for itself, but what, why are you obviously, you know, it's somewhat tongue in cheek, but like, why are you hesitant to, to talk about that? Well, I mean, I guess what I, the, what I'm really excited about in general is just seeing, I don't know what people take away from it. Like I, I have, you know, like in, in a lot of ways, a lot of this is just sort of a general um, approach that I took to building it and sort of one creative way that I look at this group of songs. And in another way, it's like, it is just a pretty personal um, COVID album. You know, it's like I wrote the lyrics and, and a lot of the content of it just while everything was kind of in the biggest amount of flux that I've ever experienced in my life. And I live in Texas and politics are all fucked up and you know, it's like living on the surface of the sun and I have a lot to be really freaked out and scared of and went back and forth on buying a gun or not like more times than I ever have in my life. And just, you know, like really heavy hitting shit and then have to be like, well, back to work on my music, (laughs) like back to just play some guitar for people. So, you know, and I also like was just thinking about, I guess, uh, my career a lot while I was making this album, just in general, because touring had stopped and I really had time to like think about why I like doing any of this stuff, you know, and I love playing music in front of people and putting things out, but you know, it can feel very, um, I don't know, just like going through the motions, just like I think any job can sometimes. And I'm like, am I actually putting across what I, what I'm wanting to make? You know, is this like my dream coming true or is this something I'm used to doing? So, you know, honestly, it's all the themes of the album and the like concept album side of it. You can throw all that away and it's still just a very um, kind of freaked out, heartbroken record about the scary the scariness of getting older and in a world that seems to be um, rapidly destroying itself a little bit. It sounds like the, to a certain extent that the movie is autobiographical because it can't not be. Yeah. It's, it's hard to write, or I guess it's not hard to, you know, you just set out to do it 
but I usually write from both like a narrative perspective and a very confessional place. You know, I, I try and write not about stuff that's specifically happening to me. Like, oh, I went here and did this and this is a situation, but it's more of a fictionalized version of, of situations that I go through. I was listening to an interview that you did and um, one thing really struck me. I, I can't remember exactly what the question was, but, you know, you kind of, I feel like you kind of cut it off the passing where you effectively said, like, this is, this isn't therapy. That, you know, that, 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 that playing and writing isn't therapy. You know, so, cer- certainly some people consider it to be a form of that for them yeah. you know, or, 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 or catharsis. I mean, obviously they're listening to you describe now, there's an extent to which like you are using it to process some of these, you know, huge existential fears. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's definitely a huge part that I get out of it. Um, you know, outside of having a task like a sheepdog or something where I get to meddle, meddle with stuff. Yeah, it's like, you know, I have giant philosophical questions about what it means to be a person or, or a good person or why I should be paid money to sing in front of people and, well, water rights and, you know, general life. You know, it's like, it's it's hard. <laughs> it's fucking crazy out here. I think what you're describing, I, I've, I've certainly felt this way, too. I keep saying everybody everybody recognizes that things are bad right now. The problem is that people we you know we can't agree on the sources um, right. <laughs> of it. You know, yeah. And this is something that I've experienced in my own life. Probably a lot of people people who are concerned about about the state of the world is I'm not doing anything on a day to day to day basis that's affecting positive change in things like I, and it's not, and saying that you're not discounting what you do, but you know, you also don't want to feel like the guy who's just sitting around and complaining about everything. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's true. And I mean, you know, there is a very old, bizarre power of uh, you know me- that music has over everybody myself included that when i listen to stuff or you know even watch you know the act of catharsis through like absorbing art watching movies whatever reading a book any of that like you know i think it's important is it more important than other stuff no i don't i don't think so at all but again like you said it's like you know i found a place that yeah, or, you know, I, or at least I'm on a road at this point where I do get feedback from people that sometimes writing a song that I think sounds somewhat coded or maybe that I don't even really understand the full extent of the lyrics that I write. I just kind of enjoy the way that the words fit together and it has sort of a effect on me. Sometimes I get feedback that, that somebody will hear that song and be like, finally, you know? Somebody, somebody said it and it's like, I, I, I didn't say it like you said it, you know, as, as, as a listener to this, like what you took from my song is something that I definitely instilled in there. But a lot of that magic is like you being the listener. So sort of the, 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 the less, I guess the less confessional or the less like, entirely about me that I can make it while still being honest in it is kind of my favorite place in a song. But if I can write with sort of broad, you know, usually more poetic strokes in some way that isn't just like, you know, overly, overly rhymy or smarmy or, you know, too specific. Sometimes those are the songs that have like the, the biggest reach or the highest effect on people because they're able to sort of pour themselves into it a little bit. It almost sounded like you were getting at that you've written songs that you don't necessarily understand what they're about. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them. You understand all the ingredients that go into it. You understand where you're writing from and, and to a certain extent what you're writing about. So what, so what does it mean to not know what the song's about? God, I don't know. I mean, it's the same thing of like, you can know how to play, I guess, an instrument, but it's not like every time you sit down and try and play something or draw something or, or create anything, 
it doesn't always have intent, you know, and I, and I think it's actually pretty important to not feel like you always have to do that. You know, it's, I think it's a huge accolade and a big, a big power to have to be able to say something very specific with your music. You know, if you're trying to make a point, I think that's really amazing. But it's like, I think even like a lot of rappers and stuff, you know, people who just like flow, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't do that, but in some ways I do, I try and dig around. We're sort of like consciously black out while writing stuff and get out of my own way and let, but music just kind of makes stuff. I, you know, I was, I was listening to a radio interview of, um, it was from like 10 years ago. It was with Andre 3000. And there was just a bunch of stuff that it was like, it's really comforting sometimes to hear other insane artists like him, you know, talk about something that I feel is very familiar where he was talking about, even about just writing, Hey, yeah. And he was like, well, when I write music, I just like, He's like, I almost use like baby speak, you know, I just like mumble and say stuff and then record it and then have to listen back and decode actually what I'm saying. That's the most effective way that I've ever found to write stuff is that you just kind of black out and there's an indescribable right way, which is the craziest. That's, that's the weirdest thing to me ever where you're like a right way to write songs. Yeah. Or like anything where you're like, that's what it looks like. Like this abstract, like, ah, oh, the song is done. Like, wow, it really needed a third, you know, what would make that third verse? I'm like, what if it's about money? And you're like, money, that's so crazy. You know, whatever, like, or this word rhymes with this one. And it means the exact thing that we don't actually even know what we're talking about. You know, I write for a living. And to me, the best and most exciting part about writing is making connections, making connections yeah. that, that aren't obvious taking two yeah. seemingly disparate things and, and connecting them. Well, yeah. And I think that there's a, I think there's a certain, there's a certain way that that can happen, I guess, af in, in post, so to speak as well, where it's like, I think the concept of editing while making stuff is kind of, kind of crazy. So, I mean, again, like with my whole process of like, I guess doing, making, making this one album into like infinite albums, <laughs> which I, again is like part of it comes from my like fear of doing the wrong thing, you know, of like, like, uh, you know, there's a better album and all this stuff. And I had to make a decision and that ah, drives me crazy. You know, it's like a, a small amount of just creative OCD. And then also like a, just a huge amount of curiosity because I believe in the sort of random correlation of things that like, I really think that out of all this weird music, there's, there's definitely some stuff in here that through the randomness of the universe will sync up with somebody at the right time that I would never be able to actually connect those two people or the, the person to the song. And then by adding another factor, that's all of these random titles and then all of these strange images that I've put together that like those three random things have the potential to create like a extremely poignant moment for somebody that I don't know. That's so much better than me trying to be like, this is an album about a story of a guy who bought a wrong pair of pants and then his friends didn't like him. And then he had to become the president and then, you know, whatever, like to try and like, you know, yank metaphor out of stuff and build a bigger picture. I just kind of set up a lot of scenarios and am excited about having them shuffle together in ways that I haven't even thought of and just letting that be just letting it kind of boil. The main thing and the starting point and the most important thing in, in that case then is that it sounds good. Yeah. I mean, it's true. And like, well, that that is kind of the funny part too, is that <laughs> there's so many people there like, I like it when it sounds shitty and it's like, I like it when it sounds shitty too. Um, and shitty being sort of a stylistic choice as opposed to it just sounding shitty, you know what I mean? But I guess it really does have to do with, like you said, the way that this group of music was recorded, um, that we did it at this really amazing studio. So all of it, even the like random stuff was all recorded at this like insane, you know, this insane quality. And then 
it just kind of so happens to be that, you know, the, the thing that I've learned over time is how to just dig around and edit something like this. Cause it used to be like when I first made music, all of it sounded bad. I, I had no access to like recording equipment. So I had to, I had to just, but like most of my work was like polishing turds or trying to like figure out how to EQ stuff with no knowledge of it and figuring out how to, you know, put weird things that didn't match together and make them into something palatable. So all of that has really trained me to be able to sift through this massive body of music over the last like three years and dig all these like diamonds out. You alluded to this idea of getting out of your own way, you know, in, in relation to Andre 3000. And I think a lot of people, I think there's an extent to which he's perhaps like too far out of his way at this point. Yeah. So good. I don't, I, I don't think I've, <laughs> I don't think I've ever uh, really tried to like tie myself with Andre 3000 very, <laughs> very much. It's a, it's a big stretch. It's a big stretch. Rid- like, ri- like, like riddle me this, like what the fuck is Hey Ya about? You know, like, like that's what ter- like Terry Gross was like. So tell me about Hey Ya, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, Andre, what the fuck is up? Like, what, what does that song say, if anything? Because like, it it sort it sort of doesn't. And like, I I cannot tell you why. When I first heard that song, I was like, oh fuck yeah! Like, <laughs> you know, it was like. I just, I remember hearing it and being like, fuck yeah. And then I didn't stop hearing it and I still don't really hate it. It's like, but I'm sure if you put all of his music together, cause he said he had been sitting on that song for like four years before they, they threw it on that album, you know? And it's like, if you had told me that out of all that stuff, you know, like they would have ever picked that if him and big boy hadn't done that weird double, like split album thing, you know, it probably wouldn't have happened, but like, it's str- it's strange. It doesn't sound like an outcast. It's not it doesn't sound like a traditional outcast song. Yeah, yeah, and I mean not even that, but it's like it doesn't you know, the chorus just says hey ya. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it you know, the verses are vaguely about a relationship, I guess. I, you know, like I know all the words and I don't know what it's about. So it's like, does all music have to have, you know, really heady content to be like a meaningful, you know, kind of like year defining song, you know, definitely not like that's the proof. The proof is out there, but I don't know. That's the thing is like, I, I, I in some ways feel like I am underqualified to know what is even good in my own work sometimes. So I'm trying to find ways to, I guess, trust, trust the whole thing, I guess a little bit, or just let other people decide for me. There is a prevailing theory that it's actually a, a really sad song. I don't know if you've heard that. He did mention that, and I was like, what What are you talking <laughs> What do you mean? What is it about? You know what it's about? I think as the theory goes, and I can't remember, and I think this is tied to just basically one line, because you're right. It's it's almost free association, and then there's the, you know, Beyonce and Lucy Liu, and, you know, like, there are parts of it that are definitively a dance song, musically, and also some of the lyrics, but but I think I think the prevailing theory is that it's to a certain extent about how everything in life, including relationships, are fleeting. Well, that's poignant. Yeah, I mean, he did. Yeah, he did mention that <laughs> that when he was in the vocal booth, that Beyonce was on the TV, and then a commercial with Lucy Liu was on it. So that's why that's in there. And I was like, "Fuck yeah, dog! Yeah, let's go." That's that joke of just like looking around the room to find inspiration and then you end up you know writing a song about a a lamp and a stapler yeah exactly that's why there's you know so so many so many of my songs are about just stuff i ate things i eat things i eat today that'll be my next album i want to get back to this idea of of getting out of one's own way i'm curious if that's something that you obviously are more and more conscious of but have you gotten better at getting out of your own way in some ways yeah definitely I mean, like, you know, the part of it too, with this, 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 this approach to recording really has to do fully with the band that I was recording with as well, which is now my band that I tour with. But, you know, it wasn't just me in a studio multi-tracking and slowly building stuff. Cause that's usually how I make music is like, 
piece it together and then teach myself the song after it's done. But this was in fact, like six of my favorite, you know, most talented people that I, that I trust all getting together and they're like insane musicians. So that's kind of the best part is that a lot of the stuff that I've gotten to go through and sort of approach almost more as a, like, you know, again, with the movie theme, almost more as a director, as opposed to anything else. It's like, I've really gotten to listen to just, you know, me bringing like a demo or a theme or show or like a, a, crudely written piano part and then having my friend who's like an absolutely insane piano player just go crazy with it and then be able to like mine magical things he did out and build a new song out of that whole thing so that's kind of what i've been doing it's it's almost like collage work but it's also like letting go a little bit of like i don't like oh i gotta get my guitar part in there or like I got to make sure I sing meaningful stuff all over all of this. Like (laughs) I've got to get in there and slowly the more, you know, by putting myself in a position where I'm trying to kind of work quicker and more efficiently and make a lot of interesting music as opposed to just like, you know, cause the last few years I've just been like, slaving over like a single track for two months and then adding too much and then taking it away. And then, that's why there's so many versions at this point, because again, I've been working on this for years now. And so now by like having this other outlet to be able to put all these other ones out, I'm kind of going back and finishing other things that I started where I felt like I got too far in or that maybe didn't have enough pizzazz that now I'm like, Oh, this is great. This like first rehearsal we did of it. That's really stripped down is fabulous. Like would I put it on the album over the one that I spent you know, three months working on, I would still say no, but it's not because it's better or worse. It's just different. So there's been a lot of, a lot of that and kind of self-assurance too, of being like, you know, you, you have to create kind of with no purpose sometimes to really get to the good meat of it. Yeah. There's that idea of uh, first thought, best thought. And, you know, certainly one of the things that, one of the negative sides of doing all the production on a computer is that you could sit there and yeah, slave oh, away God. on a track for forever. Oh, I know. You wouldn't believe it, man. You would just. Not. I mean, I would be give it, you know, based on this conversation. Oh God! I mean, I can't. It, it is one of the most like bizarre. Again, sometimes sometimes I look at what what I do and what I'm, I'm, I'm sure other musicians do as well. And I'm like, this is fucking mania. <laughs> like I'm, I've had to listen to myself go like in the exact same way and make minor tweaks, you know, to it for like days on end. And, <laughs> and then be like, nah, song's no good. Scrapping it. I'm like, whoa. You know, again, it's just like a very bizarre developed skill and actual, like, I really, really love doing it. Like more, far more than playing music in front of people or, or, you know, anything that's even remotely close to like showing off, like doing this kind of secret magical behind the scenes work of pulling stuff out of nowhere and building a song out of it and making it sound natural or plausible or alien or it's so fun. It's like, it's such a dark art, you know? And it, it's like, that's really, that's really what I get out of it. I, I just, I'm like, Ooh, I, there was nothing here. There was like half of a drum beat and a thing. And then usually I'll make a mistake. And then that might actually turn into a more interesting choice. And it's just like, ah, it's a blast. So is there any correlation between the amount of time spent on a song and, and the quality of that song? No. I wish, I mean, or maybe I'm glad there's not, you know, I can't tell. No, I mean, sometimes they come out in like one, one blink of an eye. Like they're, they're just born. They came ready. You never have to touch anything. That's kind of what I'm getting at. It's not, the question isn't necessarily, is it better the longer you work on it? The question is, and you hear this from a lot of people, that those things, the ideas that, you know, come to you while you're sleeping or or come to you all at once, like those often end up being the best song. Right. Well, it's true, but I guess my counter argument is that like, 
everything moves so fast in life at all times that, you know, it's like, again, I think we're all kind of the, the worst critics or the, the worst at self analyzing. Like even, even I had a, I had a day the other day that I was like, this day might have been the best day that I've had in like a year. And I didn't even feel, I didn't even feel like it. Like I, I didn't even notice that on one day, all of these little things that I know deep down, if I ask myself, like my favorite things to do, I did all of them in a, in a row. And like, I had a great day, but there was some other stuff on my mind or I was like, you know, I was in the middle of time. I was somewhere in my own narrative. And I realized that I wasn't even aware that I like, you know, went bowling and hung out with like a friend I hadn't seen in a while. And me and my wife ate a whole chicken. And then like, I, you know, I, I, I drove my car around with my sunroof down. And then like, I, you know, I did all these, like, whatever I, I did a series, like afterwards, I was like, this might be one of the best days of my life. And I didn't even notice it. So, you know, in going back through, like in recording all day long, like we did these sessions to where they're 10 hour, 10 hour long uh, <laughs> files. And I had to go it sounds through like it. a nightmare, by the way. <laughs> I, I know, I know. But it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, what else do I have to do sometimes? I'm like, you know what? So I would just like, yeah, I would post up with a whole chicken and like, you know, a bottle of wine and be like, okay, it's date night, dog. Here we go. And just listen to as much as I could and make notes and single things out. And man, I found some of the most like beautiful things that while we were making it, I didn't even, no one noticed, you know, nobody remembers playing it. We couldn't have done it on purpose, you know, like stuff that just makes me laugh out loud. Still. That's like a you know, long running joke that we'd make throughout the day that no, none of us will ever remember ever again. And I've, I've always kind of done this too. I used to carry around a tape recorder a lot and just kind of catch random audio and, and, and splice it into songs eventually, or just have it. And, um, I've always really liked that. Like there's been some sort of, I think it's just like taking photographs or something to a certain degree. It's like keeping track of the little things has always been a big thing for me. This has been sort of an extension of that. Like there's a song on the album called playing along that, I found and assembled from this weird time where it was like me and our drummer and my guitar player was playing a second drum kit. Cause we had two drum kits set up at all times. So people could act like a total butthole if they wanted. And it was like four of us while the other three were outside, like smoking cigarettes or, you know, doing anything. And I ended up slicing this whole thing together and then just, by re by arranging it in a certain way, I was like, Oh, this is a crazy song. This is something that like, I like so much, but could have never played on purpose. And then another friend of mine came over who's a musician named David Ramirez. And I showed it to him and he was like, let's write it. And so him and I wrote all the lyrics for it in like an hour. And it was great. It's great. It's like exactly. And it was, it was more magical because there's, there's, it was this bizarre assembly process. And then it became like a big, weird collaborative thing. And then when I showed it to the rest of the band, they were like, am I playing music on this? And you're like, yeah, you're, you're, you're drumming. And he's like, I'm drumming. What do you mean? He's like, yeah, you're a musician. You did this. And then now we play it live during our show and we'd like, it's one of our favorite parts of the show. So it's just a very bizarre experience and I'm, I'm here for it. You know, one of the things that's interesting about the genesis of this album is I think having a project and specifically a project that is writing songs for somebody else's movie, it kind of forces your hands and it kind of, it obviously it gives you a starting place, but also it, you know, it makes you work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I really took to it. You know, it made me, it made me second guess a lot of things in a certain way where I was like, should I spend all my time doing this? You know, like, because the nice part was, again, I didn't have to write the movie. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just had to like free associate with some direction, 
you know, and sometimes the director would be like, this is kind of the song I want to rip off <laughs> or band, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, ah, oh, too poor for explosions in the sky. I got you. You're like, no problem. And then it became like a, a fun kind of creative homework assignment for myself with like no pressure on it because it's, you know, they weren't paying me anything really. And I wasn't worried about doing the wrong thing. So I just was like, I, I haven't tried this, but I think I have the tools for it. So find a weird reverb pedal, you know, try and emulate a style of drumming or like create spooky ambience. And, and it, it really was a, a fun process. I'd, I'd do it again anytime I could. It was really great. You would probably never on your own just sit down and try to write a post-rock song. No. Well, I mean, sometimes, but like, man, that's why prompts are the best. Where you're like, you want me to what? Like, damn, I should, I should just make doom metal all the time. This is so much fun. Sounds good. What was the disconnect between what you put together and what the director was looking for? Well, <laughs> sadly, I am not the director. So I was like, I would look at it and be like, look, this scene is supposed to be stressful <laughs> and it does not feel stressful. So I would like add add stuff you know yeah you would make it stressful yeah and then there was like ooh, this is a little too stressful and i was like what you don't want it to be stressful so it was some stuff like that and then you were backseat directing i sure as shit was yeah absolutely i was like you're not paying me anything for this i'm gonna fucking put my mark all over this thing no but it was you know i i definitely understood some of the feedback and then but then sometimes it was like Again, I, I was like, man, are you sure you don't want to use this? Like, I built a love theme for the two main characters and then would kind of harken back to it when they were on the screen and stuff. And they were like, no, nah, no, nah, we don't want any of that. And I'm like, are you sure you don't want, like, a working score in your movie? And then, sadly, at the end of the day, it kind of seemed like what they really wanted was just to license my music without paying me. And I was like, oh... They were like, could we uh, actually just use this song that you already made uh, for free? And I was like, no, <laughs> but is this why I've been working every day for like a month on this thing? Because you just like, yeah. So eventually I just gave them, I think the they used like three of my songs and paid me nothing for it. So it was that left kind of a bad taste in my mouth. Ultimately, you came away. You took the positives from from that experience. Yeah, and also I'm now like doing a press tour where I'm like talking shit about this, <laughs> which is not that's not the high road. I'll give you that. It's not the high road. And it, it, and again, it's like I feel very honored that I was asked. And 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 again, I, the creative process of any of this stuff is really difficult and. You know, honestly, like I joke about it, but it's it's very hard to make a movie. And I feel entirely like, you know, whatever that director's vision was, if my own, my own, you know, pompous approach to what I think his movie soundtrack should have sounded like, it wasn't, you know, it's like, I fully understand that. It was, it was just kind of a, an unfortunate recipe of zero budget me putting a lot of effort in for free and being very proud of my work and then it not really being reciprocated to a certain degree. It's hard too, because, you know, in most cases, when it comes to writing music, you're your own boss and you don't really have to answer to anybody. <laughs> it's true. Yes. Very spoiled. Am I in that, <laughs> in that regard? I'm like, well, I wanted to make a, you know, a, a beastie boys rip off song with banjo in it. And people are like, nah, I don't know about that dude. Come on. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, I loved, I loved having oversight or somebody having a, a, a faceless or not faceless, you know, <laughs> and a, a person, a bot, you know, a director. Like I, I have happily so been again, my own boss for a long time, but I also am the one who has to be like, all right. Let's make music about this. Like I haven't gotten to be anybody's guitar player in their band since like high school or anything like that. And I feel like I'd have a lot to offer and probably be a real bitch about it too, but I think it would be fun. I mean, you can, that, that option's not off the table. No, 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 I know, but 
I'm too busy trying to edit 90 songs when I was only asked to do 13. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, I'll do a million songs next time. All in all, you weren't soured to the experience. I mean, it sounds like you would, if somebody, if the right situation come, came along, you would do it again. I, I would honestly do it again at, at the drop of the hat. And it, it just really like, unfortunately to a certain degree, it really just comes down to being compensated monetarily for time. And it was just kind of happening at a time where like the pandemic was ha- in mid swing sort of. So I was at my house, but then I was like, well, I, I know you didn't say to work on this for like, eight hours every day, but you did ask me to do this. And like, I'm taking it really seriously and putting a lot into it. And I'm not going to say like, you know, you need to pay me more for this, but it's, it's just, it was one of those things too, where it's like, I would have taken, I would have done revisions and like, they, they just, sometimes they were like notes that would come back where I was like, that is a really big, you also have no idea what you're saying. Like, that is a super, like, can you just go in and change this entire thing? And I'm like, well, no, because I, it's not like I didn't make this on a computer. Like I recorded all this, you know, like it's, uh, but then also I did learn some weird tricks and learned how to use MIDI to make like violin sounds and stuff. It's some really fun shit, which I have all promptly forgotten immediately. But, you know, that was nice for a little while there. Did you consider putting beer ads into the songs? <laughs> oh, no, but you know, it's not too late. I haven't turned in my 2000 songs yet. Maybe I could sneak some ads in there. Until, 